Welcome to Say Sure, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. And uh, welcome back. Uh, we are doing our uh, album uh, anniversaries segment. I actually have it saved in my DAW as album reviews, so I'm going to have to change that. That's going to be confusing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like, that, that had me stumbling for a second. Um, uh, would, you say that you, would you say that you have to make a, a small change after you yes. we finish recording? Yes, yes, I would. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I thank you, thank you, Scott. I just, you know what? <laughs> I've had way too many bad segues and puns that that one was just too. That was too yeah. Good no, not, the, the, not that, that that was very apt. I'm I'm, I'm 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 so proud of you, my my boy. <laughs> Please don't. That's a that's a really that's an extraordinarily low bar to say that you're proud of me. But uh, yeah, it's okay. I'll drink. I, I'll 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 I'm gonna drink afterwards and forget about go. that. <laughs> like my, 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 one of my biggest regrets will be, oh man, I told Scott I was proud of him. Damn, <laughs> talk about a low moment. Oh um, man. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, we, we've we've got some really uh, interesting albums. Uh, you usually say it's a diverse lineup. It's not really as diverse as it has been in the past. It, but it's yeah, still uh, yeah. We're pretty much in the rock. Ish, yeah, stratosphere. Yeah. Not a lot. You know, usually we have you know electronic album here, hip hop album there, metal album there. But yeah, these are all. But they're different flavors of rock, and I think yeah, it's definitely. A, yeah, got got some metal. You know, uh, finishing everything off. But anyway, we're talking about uh, as Scott alluded to, uh, "Small Change" by uh, Tom Waits, which uh, turns forty five years old this September this month. Um, and I think Scott, this is the first time you've listened to this, right? Yeah, I remember um, taking Rain Dogs out from the library, and I just didn't. I mean, thinking back to this was middle, early high school, and I was just not ready for <laughs> that at that time. Uh, and it wasn't until I think it was maybe late college, he let me borrow Swordfish trombones, and that that's when it really you know clicked for me. Obviously, that was that. Was, I think if I am understanding just generally the the his discography. Swordfish Trombones is when he started getting weird, like or like truly embracing yeah. the avant garde. Yeah. So, so like, you you mentioned, and I, I think this was was a good suggestion. You know, I hadn't really spent a lot of time looking backward. You know, before he made that leap and what he brought to the table in terms of his kind of jazzy, you know, smoky lounge filled roots. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's funny you say that because I I in some of my notes here I have uh, smoky bar balladeer. Uh, yeah, that's so, yeah. That's so apt. So, so apt. yeah, so I mean, for, for those who don't know this part of Tom Waits's career, you know, he sort of got his start being like this, uh, basically like if if Kerouac and like Raymond Chandler were like, you know, combined into like a singer songwriter. So you know, you've you've got a lot of like jazz influenced folk stuff, uh, you know, a lot of like kind of you know, singer songwriter y type of thing, but there, there's always kind of like an artistic flair to it. Uh, there's always, you know, this kind of noir-ish type of attitude, kind of. Um, 
it, it's very like I mean he you know Waits has repeatedly talked about uh, you know Jack Kerouac just being a huge influence on his own you know um, process. So um, you know in he went through a bunch of albums that are like this, uh, you know, but I mean, Heart of Saturday Night is probably my favorite of the earlier ones. Um, but this is uh, this is closer towards, you know, when he was about to make that change, uh, <laughs> which I, I guess is kind of ironic, I guess, given the album title. Uh, but I mean, I think <laughs> Heart Attack and Vine, I think, comes before Swordfish Trombones, if I remember right. And that's that's pretty out there for sort of what he's made up since that time but anyway so small changes is in my mind um with i think with one exception which is um this live album sort of it's like a pseudo live album called uh nighthawks at the diner which i really recommend people listen to because it is fucking great one of my favorite weights albums but um yeah this is kind of like his Sort so, sort of like the apotheosis of like sort of that jazzy style that he started really working on early in his career, um, and you know if you listen to basically any track on this thing, you kind of get that idea. I mean, the the songs are basically split between you know kind of like this maudlin, wistful kind of balladry uh, and these kind of weird uh like almost spoken word uh jazz excursions um you know i i'll admit i'm not the biggest fan of weights as like a ballad writer um you know the the opening track in this thing is is just you know <laughs> like just really i don't want to say cheesy but not um Again, like wistful and maudlin, I feel like are are perhaps apt terms here. Um, but you know, I, I on on the other half, we have like you know tracks like "Step Right Up," uh, which is just you know waits going for like three minutes, just on and on and on trying to sell you something, uh, which is <laughs> it's it's a fucking great song. Uh, the title track is marvelous. Uh, one of my favorite Wade songs, like without a damn doubt. Uh, the one that got away as well is a real like kind of weird jazzy interlude sort of thing. Um, yeah, but I, I, I kind of want to turn it over to you because uh, I really want to hear what you have to say about this. I don't know if it's going to be positive or negative because I don't really know what to expect. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this segment I'm talking about two albums that. I, you know, hold really dear to me. One was really important during my formative years. One was, you know, big during, you know, as I was coming to my own as a listener in terms of, you know, appreciating metal music. And this was Small Change was by far my favorite of the bunch that we listened to for this episode. It was in my mind because I really appreciate the experimental edge on, you know, Swordfish Trombone, uh, especially you know Bone Machine, which is an album that you you talked up and I ended up buying that I've, I've really enjoyed. So yeah. I wasn't sure, you know. I, I guess I know I didn't assumed that his quote unquote normal albums weren't really going to be like he was just going to make a straight lace like Frank Sinatra album. But yeah. I, I was I wasn't sure when you're you know we're talking about more. Um... Though funnily enough, that he he does do a duet with Bette Midler on an album. 
Um, oh, okay. Which, which I feel like is probably as close as he gets to like that, like, yeah, you know, Sinatra esque lounge singer. I think if if anything, what like Waits sort of portrays like the the actual life of a lounge singer. Like it's not like you know Sinatra showing up on the Johnny Carson show. It's like Sinatra drinking alone in his house. Yeah, it, it's that's actually a really good metaphor imagery. It's just it sounds like. Like he does the, it's like the after party. Like once all yeah. the cameras are off, you know, Sinatra goes to like he's ripped a ton of cigarettes all night. Like I mean, I, I thought this was fantastic. I had a great time with this just because it has everything you you want from like a vocal jazz album. Uh, you know, kind of like the Huskins delivery mm. is obviously very bluesy. Um, but yeah, the, especially the, what is it the, the little zebs is absolutely about yeah exactly. <laughs> But I think, I mean, beyond the fact that, you know, his, 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 his such an incredibly unique voice and it's, it, it's a really rare, I mean, I don't know if it's rare, but it, it might be that I feel like he's genuinely a good singer, but is also incredibly unique. Like, you know, so, some vocalists, you're like, yeah, he's super unique, but you wouldn't say he's like a, a generally a good singer, but I feel like he just has so much power and he, you know, mm. he, he, like he never sounds out of tune or anything yeah. like that he he reminds me of like you know like I, I think him and bjork are kind of in that category where like yeah bjork can like really sing but you know over time i feel like she's honed in on like this style that's truly hers and i think for weights it's the same thing like if you ever listen to his um uh his debut which i think is yeah, i think it's closing time if i remember right um you know his his voice just sounds completely different than this uh, like you can hear a little bit of that husk, but it's it's very very much pared back. Um, yeah, no, but, absolutely. Anyway. And, and I think sometimes, like the first one that comes to mind for me is, um, it, I'm not a huge fan of this band, and certainly his his personality is has has kind of taken over in recent years. But uh, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins, or I guess William Corgan now, um, <laughs> like. He, I mean, you, you cannot say that he's a good singer, but in terms of what they're, you know, musically and what they were trying to do, certainly like the, you know, the alt rock movement at the time, like his vocals were just so unique and it really fit what was, you know, what they were doing and what was happening, you know, in that genre at the time. Like, I feel like Tom Waits is an example of someone where he's super unique, but also just a genuinely good singer. And, but mm. what really takes the cake for me is, like he said, it, it has the the kind of storytelling you expect from this kind of like jazzy lounge singer, but it just, you know, some people might say it's more, you know, more vulgar or just like, you know, trying to get a rise out of people or whatever. Like you said, I feel like it's just honest. Like, I feel like this just feels, this feels like a truly like a a real portrayal of, yeah. Like throughout Waits' career, even, you know, uh, past surface trombones you know he's always had this knack for telling these stories through his lyrics um you know it's, it's sometimes it's a little more abstract i mean you know it, like go to a track like uh 16 shells from 30 out six where like you know it, it's it's it, it's a little kind of confusing what's going on but like you can really get some stuff out of it if you really like spend some time with it and like I think this is, you know, I think it's this part of his career that he really honed in on that. Um, 
because yeah, for sure. Just like some of the stuff. I mean, just uh, you know, small change. Uh, you know, small change got rained on by his own thirty-eight. You know, like that whole track is just like so descriptive mm-hmm. in terms of like you know just you know, and the hookers are fishing for drugstore prophylactics, you know, just like <laughs> all of this shit, like that he's like, you know, it, 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 it's just, it imbues every single second of it. It's not like it's just a lyric he's repeating, like he's intoning just every moment of it, like just perfectly. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I, I would say my, my, my favorite example that this is, I mean, when you listen to an album for the first time usually there's a moment where, like when you really end up loving it there's a moment where you're like oh yeah this is good and for me it was the piano has been drinking not me it's <laughs> just that it just it was yeah. so it was just it was so funny that's that's absolutely something that you would you know someone who oh, what was i'm trying to think of a line where it's oh i don't have a drinking problem you know unless i'm out of out of beer like that's not exactly yeah. the lyric but I don't know, unless i'm out of beer and i'm like that's just such a I don't know. You see, he has such a great sense of humor. Yeah, um, th- th- that's what I love about Step Right Up. Honestly, <laughs> like I actually have this lyric that I I copied down because I just think it's so funny. It's like, because it's effective, it's defective. It creates household orders. It disinfects. It sanitizes for your protection. It gives you an erection. It wins the election. <laughs> you know, I just like, <laughs> like, and it, like that that song is just full of those like, the like these one liners that you almost have to like sort of like turn your head back around because it's like been snapped the other way and just you have to kind of like pay attention to what's going on you have to like slow down for a second yeah he, he just rattles them off like yeah uh I, i'm really glad you enjoyed this because I, I i think like i i definitely don't listen to this part of Waits' career as much as i should um but like you know the times that i do listen to an album like this i i, I really do love it um yeah <laughs> yeah it is it is really really i really enjoy this a lot and i want to because I, I think i have i think i might just have bone machine i really need to buy swordfish trombone i need to look at what other rain dogs might, yeah um if, if you want more in this style again uh night talks at the diner is so good it's more of this sort of jazzy you know i actually that one is so it's a um it's like a staged live concert that was just like a bunch of studio executives and stuff like that. Um, but he works with just a jazz band in it. And like they, they just have everything like just so perfectly rehearsed. And it's just it, it comes out so well. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it kind of ranges from, you know, more overt jazz stuff to kind of blues. If you listen to the track uh, Eggs and Sausage um but then he goes you know if you i think um oh, i can't remember the name uh they're, they're well i guess putnam county is like, like you know kind of more of like a downtrodden folk song uh warm beer called women you know <laughs> like um that there's yeah there's just a plethora of of great great weights moments in that album um, yeah like probably out of all of the early Waits albums, I've probably listened to Nighthawks at the Diner more than any other one. Um, yeah, but okay. Uh, if you have, if you don't have anything else to say, I think we're gonna move right along. 
Yeah, we are because we're staying on track. We're being uh, very disciplined and not talking, not talking <laughs> okay, overly I'm not, long. I'm, I'm not <laughs> proud of you anymore. <laughs> uh, would you say? Uh, um, ne- would you say never mind? You're not not proud of me anymore. <laughs> blood Mountain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> soon there will be a Blood Mountain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there will. <laughs> uh, See, th- th- this is why I miss doing these in person. <laughs> so, I can, so I can just I, I can just put the microphone on mute and just throttle you. <laughs> yeah, that's to- that's totally fair. Because you, you know me, I'm a very violent violent person. But you know um, what's great is that there's great symmetry between King Crimson and Blood Mountain. So it's it that's kind of a nice oh, little yeah. ha- happy yeah. accident. And yeah, since you, you, I've already, you, you can be king of the Blood Mountain. Yeah. And you'd be covered in crimson. Yeah. Um, um, so okay, since so I yeah, already but, kind of, you know, yeah. bumbled my way through both the artist and album name, uh, King yes. Crimson, uh, Discipline. Yeah, we're, we're talking about King Crimson's Discipline album, which is uh, their first of, like, sort of their new wave albums. Their first album in the 80s after, like, I think it was, like, seven years of Studio Silence. Um, and this is kind of, it falls up red, which is, I, a fan favorite. I mean, I, I feel like every King Crimson album kind of is a fan favorite in its own way. Um, but I think yeah, they're the, very, the, the, very dedicated, like cult band. Yeah. I mean that positively just feel like, Oh yeah. Yeah, they, definitely. Yeah. Like they, they're, you know, I, it, it, it's like, they're, they're like deadheads, but they actually have like intelligence. <laughs> no, I know that that, that's zing. actually not fair. Because I, I actually, I actually met with um, an old professor of mine last week, and she is apparently a really big deadhead. Um, and she was saying that like she gave like a whole like um, talk at this conference about the Grateful Dead, and I'm like, okay, like that that's actually really cool, like genuinely. So, um, anyway, um, anyway, we're. <laughs> So we're talking about discipline. Uh, there's a new lineup on this. So we've got um, obviously Robert Fripp on guitar. We've got Bill Bruford on drums, who's the only original member or the only sort of member coming back from this lineup, uh, from previous lineups. Uh, Adrian Bellew on uh, guitar and vocals and also on lyrics. Uh, and Tony Levin on bass and also Chapman Stick, which is kind of a bass have you ever seen a picture of a Chapman stick by any chance? I haven't. Let me look that up real quick. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an interesting instrument. It's it's basically just a guitar, but it's only the neck. Um, and you 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 know you you basically just hit the strings, like you hit the frets themselves. And it's uh it's really it's an interesting, you know, instrument for sure. But it must be the most difficult fucking thing to play. <laughs> Cause like I mean speaking speaking personally as as a guitar player like hammer-ons and pull-offs can be really difficult sometimes um, and like you know when it comes to like tapping and shit like that I just just not good I, I'm not a good guitarist but anyway um, yeah so it's like a really as, unnecessary as said, dunk on yourself jeez I know I know <laughs> I know um, so yeah th- this is uh, sort of the beginning of like their new wave trilogy of albums which includes so it's uh, discipline beat in three a perfect pair if i remember the order correctly um which are all pretty well received uh this is my favorite out of them i i, I mean to be honest this is my favorite king crimson album um like i adore this thing like it was listening to track like um like frame by frame that really got me more into king crimson 
Um, like I, there's a live version of, of frame by frame on YouTube that I've watched just so many times. Cause I just think it's just so well done, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, I could kind of obsess over this and, and I will, uh, but I kind of want to turn over to you because I'm, I'm assuming giving you, you said that this is small change was by and far your favorite of the ones you listened to. So I, I'm sort of, I'm interested to hear whether this is like not as good by comparison or just didn't enjoy. No, um, I like this. Yeah, I I feel like we, I think we did a King Crimson exploration, or we did we did do that, and then I'm pretty well, sure we we, 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 we did a redemption kind of, and that was with um we we only listened to, uh, Red, uh, in the Court of the Crimson King and Lark's Tongues and Aspic. Okay, so. I thought I thought we listened to this, but I, I guess I was like, yeah. No, I think and, I might have listened to this. Enough, all of those albums are before this, so. <laughs> yeah, I thought I listened, because I remember I went to Music Connection, and I found uh, Lark's Tongue, and that, I think that was, from that episode, that was my favorite. I really, really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, me, me too. Uh, but I, I love this one the most, I, I would say. I've probably listened to this one the most, too. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I really enjoyed this. I, I was in a weird feedback loop, and I, I couldn't, because this, this reminded me like I got a lot of Talking Heads isms from this, oh, yeah. but like yeah. I don't know, well, I don't know what what chronologically makes sense because they kind no, of it, they're like it, so it actually does so. because so we're talking about eighty one so um, I'm pretty sure when did uh, Remain in Light come out was that seventy nine? It was eighty actually, which always 80. Okay. yeah, that's a weird, uh, that's a weird like straddle yeah. record like i could see it being a 70s record and an 80s record oh but, yeah for sure anyway um, but I, I, I um i'm pretty sure adrian bellew actually uh contributed guitar to that album um it, it's it's weird bellew has like an amazing amazing career like but it it goes so like under the radar like he's worked with bowie he's worked with nine inch nails he's worked with king crimson from this album until the present day um you know it, it's it's just like it, it like this like the stuff he's been on is just amazing and and i mean on this album i feel like he just fucking kills it like like i i love his vocals but i love the uh the guitar techniques that he uses i mean his thing is that he can make you know, his guitar sound like animals, basically. And, you know, probably the easiest place to hear that is um, in Elephant Talk, in the chorus, when he's and he's doing the vroom, vroom, kind of, <laughs> kind of that, 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 that's, yeah. that's my elephant impression. Um, <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I kind of remember, I don't know, do you remember the, um, was the European sea and say from Family Guy? Or like oh, the, yes. yeah, like in the the duck goes giggly gee. It's like, it no, most no, certainly the, the does duck, not. The duck does not go that. <laughs> oh, um, anyway, but yeah, the, I I would I totally blew through. Like I just interrupted the hell out of you. So <laughs> no, I I, I really uh, I really did enjoy this. It wasn't because I I went to this just like okay, you know, interested to check it out. Haven't. You know, I thought I'd listened to it before, but you know, I guess you know we didn't for that that episode, and I didn't realize this was a shift in sound. So I was expecting you know, kind of the King Crimson that you you typically expect, you know, going mm. back to their earlier albums. But I really, really 
enjoyed this a lot. Again, I got a lot of talking headsisms from this, and I guess they yeah, kind of it's yeah, like they 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 definitely in, like they definitely embraced a lot of new wave like sort of um, uh, new wave isms. But I mean, I I still feel like there's a lot of their original sound in a way here. It, like it, it almost feels like they were able to translate what they had done before into new wave in a way. Like if that makes any sense and like with very little translation loss in it, in, no. in a way like it, like it, it sounds because I, I feel like what for me, what sets King Crimson apart from like a band like yes or Pink Floyd is that like they, it almost feels like they have like this art, like art rock type of edge to them. Like they're always kind of willing to experiment in ways you wouldn't expect. Um, and I feel like that's just very true here. And you still hear a lot of like that art rock tendency going on. Yeah, th- th- that's a really good way to put it. I-, I don't, I can't remember the name. I'll try to look it up quickly. The name of that Yes record where they, you know, they totally went in a, like uh, basically. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like 108C or, you know, like it's, it's letters and numbers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, isn't the one yeah, that yeah, has uh, owner, owner nine, of a lonely heart? Yeah, nine oh one nine oh one two five. Which okay, um, but like that. Other than other than the vocals, other than John Anderson's vocals, um, that just sounds like an eighties pop hit. Uh, it does not like you. You don't really hear like you don't hear anything from Fragile or Drama or anything like that. Whereas I totally get what you're saying here is that. It, it fit in well with what was going on at the time they dropped this album, but very much, very much you could hear the intricacies of their sound. Um, yeah, like, it, it definitely doesn't feel like, you know, like, like trying to change up their sound to kind of meet the trends. It's more like the trends are meeting them. But now, they, I, I, I guess what I mean is, like, I, I, I feel like they're they're still there. Like, I think, yeah, like with that Yes album, like, you know, if if John Anderson wasn't on that album at all, you would just be like, oh, who is this? You know, you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, this is a Yes album. Whereas, like, I feel like you could get enough of an idea that this, like, oh, this is a King Crimson album, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I, I really love this album. I actually listened to this thing twice in, like, the last 24 hours just because I enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, like I mean, elephant. I, basically, the, the the first three tracks are like my favorite. Uh, especially Mate Kudasai is is just one of the most beautiful rock ballads, in my opinion. Um, and just sort of oh, God, the the intro to that, like how Bellu, you know, sort of is able to like I don't know, they, he, he makes his guitar sound like a seagull at one point. <laughs> yeah, but 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 then he has like this solo that he's kind of like just improvising and i just love it uh and just yeah just his vocals on that and yeah just yeah there's just some great tracks on this thing and even like a track like um i think it's the title track um is just like there's this mm, like this mystic vibe almost to it uh to to bellew's guitar line on that and just yeah uh it, and then like something like you know Thelahun Jinji, which is just like one of the weirdest tracks, but it, it's so it's so cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really know what else to say. I I just 
I think this is such a great fucking album. Um, oh, I, I, I guess um, the, from the track Indiscipline, that, that line is that I repeat myself when in distress. I repeat myself when <laughs> in distress. You know, <laughs> Which is just like very King Crimson-ish to me that it just has like this like, you know, like almost jaded type of wit to it. Like, I, I, I guess that's kind of like a British thing, like a British humor sort of thing just very dry yeah oh i always, uh, I always forget they're they're british well so frip is british i think bruford is but uh Bellew's american um but, oh interesting. yeah i mean they're, they're 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 known as a british band um yeah so okay i i unless you have much more because i feel like i just probably be gushing more about this album no, but I just love I, it that much. I think you're totally right. I mean, that was my main takeaway: is that it felt like, um, and again, nothing's anything wrong with, you know, like I, I like that, or at least the hits off of that Yes album. But it just it it very much sounds like a band. It's, it sounds like a different band. Like if you you mm. know, listening to that and close to the edge back to back, it is you. <laughs> other than the vocals, not sure that's the same band. And I th- thought it was really interesting to hear. Because again, I was expecting, you know, vintage, old school, crimson. I just I figured that it was just you know, a different iteration of that. Since this is you know I hadn't gone that far in the discography, and it's it's always cool when a band can reinvent themselves, but bring in new influences. And I, I like the way that you you described it that they, you know, they're they're meeting the times, but they're not try, they're not letting the times overwhelm them or you know they're they're not yeah. trying to bend they're just saying okay this is what we do this is what's going on right now and we're going to marry the two in a really nice seamless way so yeah yeah i, I had a great time with it i'm glad that we yeah. glad that we checked it out I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you enjoyed it i mean fripp definitely i feel like fripp is always like sort of taking you know from you know sort of whatever's going on at the moment and sort of incorporating it in in some way like you know if you listen to later crimson albums like something like um like thrack or like the construction of light there's a lot of like industrial influence on those uh which is just you know you wouldn't think of like the same band that made you know in the court of the crimson king to be making like semi-industrial sort of things yeah but, there you go but i mean also uh, people, a lot of people think of Thrack as like the worst King Crimson album, but so I don't really know what to say. I don't agree, but um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're gonna move on, um, or I, I guess I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a U for a moment. I'm gonna you know we're we're gonna go to the next one. Oh wait, never mind. Let's go to the one after that. Right, Ooh, like it. I, I know it's it, it's it's just it's it's just your brand of awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you want to take this one away? Yeah. So, wait. Are we actually doing the one after that, or are we doing? No, 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 no. We're, okay. we're 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 talking about the, the yeah the, yeah. So, I, I mean, this album doesn't need, need much introduction. It was in the news recently yeah. for non-musical reasons uh oh yeah i i actually read about that the other day which is fucking disgusting uh by the way it's a it's a weird i don't know it's a weird story just because it, yeah like, like, it's just we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it um because yeah. like 
it's one of those things where, yeah, we'll just talk about it, but uh, Nirvana, never mind, turning 30 years old, which, I mean, obviously it had been out for a while when I, you know, by the time I was in high school, but mm. I mean, I, I played the hell out of this. I didn't get as much into, because in utero, I think, you know, Cobain was getting a little bit weirder, you know. I don't want to say late in his career, but a little bit I, later. I would say, and, I, I wonder if darker is maybe the... Yeah, yeah, the, yeah I think darker. Because, yeah, I mean, dark. like, I, I feel like you need to be a certain uh, kind of depressed to, you know, write a song like Rape Me, so... Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think that that's probably more apt to say it was darker. And then Bleach was just too... It was too raw for me at the time. I, I, to me, Nevermind was just such a perfect... Um, like a perfect middle ground between those two records. And I think part of the reason I liked it as much as I did is because I still, I'm not the first one to have this opinion. I, I forget where I read, you've read this or where I saw it, but I just feel like this isn't really a grunge record. It's, it's really, it's kind of more of a, it's more of a punk record. It, like obviously there's elements, like it does fit in some ways into the grunge scene, you know, and like the alternative rock scene. But like there's like I forgot how many songs that just feel like like they just feel like a punk songs, you know, like maybe not like straight up. But yeah, I mean, I, I can see that like um like Breed kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Breed is like, like almost like I mean, even smells like Teen Spirit. Like, I don't know, just when you think of I mean, like Cobain's vocal delivery, they you know, they just almost have too much energy for for grunge. Um but I don't see. I I don't know. I be, because like I mean my I don't know. I I would say my my favorite grunge band is is Soundgarden, but it could be Alice in Chains. I I really like grunge, but um, no, like, like I, 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 I I like grunge too. I just oh yeah like no no I I that 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 wasn't my point. I I I was just gonna say like you know like a band like Soundgarden, like Chris Cornell's delivery can range between you know kind of uh you know just like um like bored but it could also be insanely you know passionate uh depending on the song so like i i don't really know if that's like a total staple of grunge i think maybe if you look at something like pearl jam um where eddie vetter is kind of you know kind of like mumbling the whole time (laughs) the band that you you famously dislike or at least you really don't like Eddie Vedder, right yeah well that's the thing is like i i mean i i feel like you 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 got to give them cred for their success in in some regard and like same thing with eddie vetter but i just i just do not like his voice um and i i mean and for those people who think that like mumble rock and things like that are like you you know like that that they're very critical of like post grunge and stuff like that it's like well where do you think they got that from (laughs) yeah and i agree that it's a little bit difficult to talk about grunge in a way just because it's so it's so tied to a movement and a culture. Like it just, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's more than just really a, it's, it's more of like a, it, it's a genre describing like a location at a time. Yeah, exactly. As, as opposed like, to, you know, like an actual, I mean, the, I, I feel like there are certain staples. I mean, there, there's definitely like, I, I feel like maybe why this conversation is so difficult kind of when it comes to like addressing what punk is, because I feel like it's pulling from a bunch of different things. And just considering how underground it was until this album, basically, like, you know, and it as a result, you know, you have all these underground bands that are meeting with each other and sort of, you know, disseminating sort of their own influence on each other. Um, 
you know, and, and I mean, if you want like a little story, I mean, Nirvana signed to DMG, which is the album, uh, they're the label that put out this album uh, on the behalf of Sonic Youth, who recommended them to Nirvana. Yeah, and obviously there are a lot of influences that went into Cobain's songwriting. I mean, yeah, oh yeah. I've, I mean, I've I've, I've like, never, I've never really gotten into the Pixies, but the first time someone said that they, you know, he pretty generously borrowed their songwriting dynamic. I mean, it, once you hear it, it's hard to unhear it. The whole loud yeah, I mean, but I, I feel like I mean, have you ever looked at that list of like Cobain's favorite albums? Yeah, the, Cause, that's cause, what, cause like it, it's it's like super underground. It's like really diverse. Yeah, for, well, I mean, it is, but... I think people over like definitely you can hear it. Just they were a, a popular band who did that exact. You know, the idea of you know dynamics and contrast is not really like no band can claim that. Just the way that it was done, you could definitely draw a parallel. But obviously, yeah. he was he was really influenced by the Beatles. Like he famously um, he famously didn't want to double track his vocals, and then uh, I think Butch Fig was the producer they worked with. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he t- said how, you know, Lennon double tracked his vocals and then Cobain was go, oh, okay, I'll do it then. Um, well, here's a little, little other factoid is that, um, I'm pretty sure that the Beatles actually developed the first double tracking technology. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, if I remember, because I think it was like Lennon didn't want to do extra takes or something like that. So they figured out a way and it was basically just the first double tracker. Um, but anyway, <laughs> and then that was a fitting, you know, uh, you know, fitting example to use for, you know, which to use. Um, but yeah, I, I almost didn't even need to listen to this album for this episode just cause I listened to this yeah. so many times. The one observation, and it, this must just have been the CD copy I ripped from the library versus what's on app, app music. Um, I don't remember endless nameless and that song whew, like that that yeah. is such a it's it sounded like he listened to a bunch of god flesh and swans and was like all right let's do that <laughs> yeah, and look, it, it dude, do this and it actually usually when you say that you know like someone listened to a bunch of of stuff and aped it like it's not that's not like a positive but i i, I really i really wish that he had survive longer obviously he had his demons and music he left behind with you know will, will last the test of time but i i just it would have been really cool to see what he, he continued to do and now oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really jazzed to you know definitely small change is my favorite listen of the bunch but this made me really want to revisit yeah Nirvana because i, I, I again i, totally I haven't listened it. to nevermind in like conservatively i haven't listened to this in, in like maybe five years. Like I haven't listened to this same for a long thing. time. Same just, here. Just cause I feel I, like, like I really do think it will like the songwriting on this is genuinely really, really good. Like this, he, he wrote a bunch of pop songs in a way. Like they're just, there are amazing hooks on this. He was a really, really good songwriter, but it just feels like I reached a certain point where this felt dated just because it like is very much a, a point in time record. This is just, you know, yeah. teenage, teenage angst encapsulated, it, it but it really is. I, yeah. I, I feel like, it was impossible to grow up in like white suburbia in like the two thousands without listening to Nevermind. Yeah. Because like, I mean, you think of like, a, I mean, there are so many good songs in this. Obviously smells like teen spirit is, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I always, I mean, drain you is one of my favorite 
In, in uh, Bloom sure. is one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, the whole the whole album. I mean, is just so good. Yeah. You know, I actually I, to 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 backtrack really quick. That um, yeah, I I don't remember Endless Namus either because remember that they had like that twenty minute like conglomeration of songs that were like separated by like ten minutes of silence or something like that. Yeah, and like I I just you know I mean I famously uh, hate that. So like mm. I just always you know just ejected the CD right after something in the way. Interesting. Maybe even on a like after on a plane. Now I think about it. So I, they must, you know, I but 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 I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, they must have chopped it up then, because or they must have yeah. chopped chopped up the silence crap of music because when that came on, I mean, I feel like I must have heard it at some point, but it was like, whoa, what what are we doing now? Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I for sure. It's I, so. I, you know, it's, oh, I, I was just gonna say, like, I actually sold my copy of this years ago, um, and I really regret it. And I'm, I really should just buy all of Nirvana's albums right now, I, uh, which I, I still might do. Exact same thing, right? I sold it because I was like, oh, like I've outgrown this. But you know, like once you appreciate, you know, the song. It, 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 something else about it that I appreciate is. Like the perfect, like Smells Like Teen Spirit is played on just like regular classic rock radio, and it makes sense. Like it's just it's it's angsty enough and kind of in your face enough that it'll appease you know the, the youths. But it just yeah. is a genuinely catchy, like a you know great chorus, great hook, and again, whether or not you think that they ape the Pixies, like that loud quiet dynamic is so effective. And oh yeah. Just, like I, I just, oh, it's, I, it's like once so, someone points it out, you're like, because like you know you you like what you're hearing, and then when someone points out that they do that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's so like the, just the explosion on a song like smells like Teen Spirit is just so or like to me one of my favorite tracks is Lithium because I love that opening bass track, but like the I'm so yeah. happy because today I found my yeah. friend and then when it yeah like once it uh, yeah yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know what's weird is I, one of my one of my favorite tracks off of this thing that I always think about is Polly. Um, yeah, and I didn't realize how fucked up of a song it was. Like it, it is. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. I, well, <laughs> the, the thing is, I I feel like I never really listened to the lyrics when I was in high school, but I got the vibe that it was like really disturbing. Um, even though I I don't think I ever heard the lyrics right because the the beginning is Polly wants a cracker. Uh, I should, probably should get off her first, and I always thought it was. I probably wants a cracker. I thought I think I should get off her fur, mm. and um, e- e- I, don't ask me why. I, I just, but e- either way, for some reason, just like I mean, when I learned about the what the song is actually about, I'm like, oh wow. But like, still like, really intense song for something that's so like low key compared to the rest of the album. Like it, it, it's it's like he's like funneling all that energy into sort of the lyricism of it almost. Yeah. Even though I and this was interesting, I was reading about this that he doesn't uh, apparently Cobain didn't really like care about lyrics as as much as he cared about the music part of it. And uh, I mean, it's it's he's gone. I mean, it's been established that he's used cut ups a lot in his lyrics that mm-hmm. he'll he'll take his own lyrics and just cut them up basically and that's like you know the end result will be a song interesting i mean that kind of makes sense there's there's some there's some weirdism or there's kind of like weird lyrics on um 
Well, I mean, a lot of fun there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> in bloom, you know, we should rest some more. Nature is a whore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's uh, the one who likes all our pretty songs, and he likes to sing along, and he likes to shoot his gun, but he don't know what it means. <laughs> don't know what it means. God, oh, I, man, like, this... I, I, I remember, like, when I was learning how to play guitar, like, I would just look up tabs for so many of these songs. <laughs> uh yeah yeah this is i i mean the thing is like i i I, you definitely hit the nail on the head here is that like there's such a um there's such a bias against this album in a way uh because you know it i i feel like it's it's such a perfect teenage album in a way but just because something is meant or you know maybe thought of as belonging to a certain audience doesn't mean that it's bad like you know there are good children shows you know like things like that and like this is just i mean i, I obviously because i mean just it's one of the best selling albums of all time you know this is you know one of the most legendary albums of like you know i mean this thing turns 30 so the last 30 years so it could be even longer yeah. than that honestly like it's it just make made such a huge splash uh and you know to kind of bring that conversation around uh some people kind of want to cut of that mm-hmm. so. yeah I, I mean it's so 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 the you know too long didn't read or too long didn't listen you know the 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 kid who's on the cover of nevermind which which famously features a you know a naked baby you could see his you know his his penis and whatnot um He's suing the band for, you know, child pornography charges or in, in, uh, probably, you know, baked in there is the idea that he, you know, he should, he should earn a cut or whatever, which is, yeah. the, is the part that, you know, like the, the angle that it's like kind of not cool that, I mean, I feel like he should be upset at his parents. Like, you know, the angle is, it's kind of not cool that now like his baby's baby penis is like on you know, is up for, up for grabs well, or up here's for the thing is, it, The only thing is that he actually recreated the photo before, like as an adult. Well, and that's what, like on the one hand, like I get, I totally get it that like, it's, you know, maybe it's not great that you, you know, that's what you have to live with. You know, you just basically you, everyone, which I don't even know. How would you even know? It's like a baby. Like, I don't know what he looks like now, but I assume it's not like what he looked like when he was a child. Yeah. But on well, the other hand, the fact that he's very, very openly tried to exploit the fact that he was the Nirvana baby several times. Like he's, like you said, he's done a few photo shoots. He's, you know, he's tried to, you know, try to capitalize on that. I don't know, man, that's a little, yeah, that, 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 uh, don't want to tell people how to feel, but that undercuts your case a little bit. If you're actively trying to, yeah, I don't know. That's a little, I I mean, just like whenever he's been interviewed, like he has a lot of positive things to say about it. Like it's, it's rarely like, oh yeah, this really fucked me up. Like, you know, and it's, it's only in like the last 20 days has he been like, oh yeah, by the way, this thing fucked me up. And it's like, I was super traumatized by this. It's like, okay, that's a little, yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I, the, 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 that's all I feel like I should say about it, because I think we could get into a sort of a different conversation here. And this is just not the time or the place. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, I. It, yeah, it, it's it's very much. Uh, it's, it's just 
it's a messy situation because I feel yeah, like it's, sure. it's, it's one of those cases where like sometimes when you see someone, you're like, okay, that's very obviously a cash grab. Like that's, you know, don't, you know, like don't need to talk about that some more. But I mean, it is a little, I mean, it's, that's something I think about, you know, Lauren and I are planning to have on having kids relatively soon. Like is is having like so many people take, you know, tons of pictures of their kids. They're on social media for, you know, forever. And it's like, Say, this is is such a, a magnified example of that. He's on one of the best selling albums of all time, Naked as a Baby. So it's it just it, it's unfortunate that it's an interesting conversation that was muddied yeah. by the fact that it's pretty obviously a cash grab. Um, yeah, see, so. I, I I was thinking more just in the I I feel like this conversation could go more towards you know sort of sexual abuse survivors and sort of um, you know how this you know could uh, potentially undercut, you know, actual people having, you know, actual problems. Yeah. No, um, you know, and, and, you know, I think that goes into, you know, do you, do you believe him or not? You know, is it right to not, et cetera, et cetera, you know, regardless of the, you know, overwhelming evidence in favor of, you know, the other side of this, but like I said, I, I just, I feel like, this is a conversation that I feel like is way out of our wheelhouse here. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, yeah. it's very much. Yeah. It, it just, it, it was a, I don't want to say it was funny, but it, it was a, a very odd. Cause obviously we were talking about it because it's the anniversary of the album coming out. Yeah. It was just a, like a weird, like out of nowhere. Yeah, and I feel good, like in some good, ways good timing. Yeah. In some ways it kind of, overshadowed the music itself but i mean i don't know it brought attention to the album i think that's that's kind of cool i don't know how suppose. you could bring more attention to this album but yeah yeah sure that's, that's true that's true yeah. but i mean okay. you know like i feel like that's everyone says that nowadays like wow i can't believe that album's x year you know x years old or what have you so uh um, yeah. yeah yeah but i i feel like in the past like i know i want to say that they did like a 25 year anniversary thing for Nevermind, so I'm assuming they might do a 30th. Yeah, it, it definitely, it's definitely I mean, funny. It's definitely funny how, uh, like, when an album reaches a certain level of prestige, like, every five years, like, yeah, it's the the 10th anniversary, the 15th, like, they just, <laughs> keep, uh, which, which is cool. I mean, you gotta do, you, you know, what's one thing, like, and obviously we'll, we'll move on, but, uh, is whenever people post a picture of someone nowadays like i'm never sure because there's this weird trend where everyone just wishes people like a ha like a happy i think it was george rr R. martin where they wished him like a happy 70 something birthday it wasn't even like a a milestone birthday and I, like yeah. i just always think like wait a second like is did he die like i just i'm never sure like on first glance like is this person die or you know is this just like hey happy 73rd birthday which is like not a birthday that anyone would have you know like yeah. made a big deal about back in the day so and, I, and then on the other side of things i actually just learned that lee scratch perry died in he died like last month oh and like i had no idea about that but maybe that just you know shows my own ignorance but it's just funny that like oh yeah happy birthday george r, r. martin but like you know, one of the most important musicians of like the last, you know, 50 years or so is dead. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, eh. yeah. Could, could, um, couldn't be bothered, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like not a lot of people, I don't know. I don't think like a lot of people listen to dub 
And I mean, I, I'm I'm one of those people to be fair, but at at least I know who Lee Scratch Perry. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I I feel like I I probably sound really pretentious saying that, but okay. I we need to move on to our last album, and it is our youngest album. Uh, it's 15 years old, and it is Blood Mountain by Mastodon. Yeah. Um, and I I be, before we get into this, I, I I saw this on the Wikipedia page, which I thought was really funny that it lists it as, oh, yeah, this is Mastodon's, you know, actual, like, major label debut. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not. Um, is it? It's not. Yeah, like, like it, be, because it's on Reprise. Uh, because it, it, it's, it was dual-released uh, via Relapse and Reprise. Um, whereas the last two, so um, Remission and Leviathan were on Relapse. And I'm like, okay, like, if you look at this from a mainstream rock point of view, you're technically right. But the thing is, like, Relapse is a major metal label, in my mind, and you know, so it's I I I don't consider it to be like a major label release in a way. Also, I mean, perhaps back in you know two thousand six that this was like that was kind of a th- I, I, does that matter? I feel anymore? like it was even more true back then. That, no, no, that, no, no. Like, relapse was big out like big label no i i just meant like the, even the idea like today like the idea of a major like label debut like i i don't even know if that that like do people even care about that anymore like maybe back in 2006 I mean, that was some people thing. do i mean I, yeah i i guess like i mean is little nos x's new album being put out on like a label because i'm pretty sure it is um I, i'm pretty sure he got signed to a major yeah no for sure um i just like like and maybe that matters to just like for me personally i don't know i just yeah i mean like i said this doesn't really weigh on the actual album itself i just thought it was an interesting like it was like really like like okay like i guess it just shows you how it it shows you how insular uh metal is as a community Um, yeah because yeah totally i I agree that I, i would consider relapse i mean definitely one of the one of the bigger um, one of the bigger metal labels out there. Yeah, like I, definitely. I definitely like. I mean, it's relative, but I would cer- certainly consider that a major label. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, we're talking about uh, Mastodon's third album, uh, and this is sort of. I mean, I, I guess people have noted that this is kind of like, you know, a major turn. You know, I guess the first of you know one of their major turns towards more prog as opposed to more like sludgy type of stuff. Not to say that the sludge is not uh, present at all, but you know, there's, there's less harsh vocals. Uh, there's definitely, it just feels like there's a more uh, progressive element sort of scattered throughout this thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it's still nothing compared to what crack the sky will eventually do, um, which I, God, I love that album too. I mean, I this thing that's probably the big takeaway from this thing is like I'm like, like I I, I guess the thoughts that went through on my mind was one, uh, how I know every single second of this album, and I'm surprised I do because I it, like it's been a while since I've listened to this thing. Uh, so I guess two, I'm like, I fucking love Mastodon. <laughs> uh, and uh, three, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Always be true to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean this. You know, write down, uh, write down memory. Obviously, like the wolf is loose. I remember my friend. This is when my parents still had to 
like confirm all the purchases I made on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got around that for my, this is when I was, this is like middle school, maybe even late elementary school. One of my friends made me a mix CD of like a bunch of, I think there was some Lamb of God in there. There was a Slipknot. And then I, I didn't know what Mastodon was. He put uh, the Wolf is Loose on there. And I would spit like that song. Like, I mean, at the time I had listened to anything remotely like that heavy, just like how fast it was. Like, oh yeah. Insane. Like, like, you know, you know, brand dealers drumming would just blew my fucking mind. Um, but yeah, it, it was really, really, really cool to, to listen to, you know, like Sleeping Giant, you know, Capillarian Crest, you know, Capillarian. I just, I love that, like that weird vocal tick. Um, the, uh, I, I love the, um, the vocoder, uh, section on Sleeping yeah. Giant. Um, yeah. there's this line, uh, there's this awesome guitar line on a uh, circle of, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I got the, that wrong. It's circle of Squatch that has the, uh, vocoder on it i'm thinking of sleeping giant though has this amazing guitar riff yeah um that i just yeah there's just so many great moments on uh, sort of like that i don't know if it's a synthesizer or what there's like this freak out moment on blade catcher uh-huh. um god they like oh, there's so many just amazing moments on this thing the guests on this i mean cedric from mars volta is on this thing that's such um, a cool because i don't think like yeah. when i first heard this album i wasn't as into the mars volta so like I thought it was a really like I was like oh man that's really cool like I like what the fuck is that but now it's like almost like cool. it's like it's, it's a fucking it, dude man yeah yeah but it's it's like it's an Easter egg now because at the time yeah. it was like oh this is interesting well, I, I I didn't know this but uh, Isaiah Owens who's also uh, he's the the Mars Volta's keyboardist he's on Pendulous Skin um, oh, cool. as well as uh, Josh Homme from you know Queens of the Stone Age and Caius he's on uh, Colony of Birchman which I I had no idea about either of those. Uh, yeah, and, like I, I knew about Scott Kelly being on. Um, oh, I can't remember which track it is now. But I mean, Scott Kelly shows up in every Mastodon album, so I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, does he still though? Like, did he stop? I think a crack oh, this guy I, I, shows up. I don't know up. if he still does, but um, like, I mean, to, to, to be fair, like, I, I consider like the first four Mastodon albums to be like my mastodon albums in a way oh you know what i'm clicking through so it looks like he still does yeah, yeah. Up, up, through, up through emperor of sand he's still he's still kicking it's got good old scott yeah. kelly um, that makes sense but, yeah, but speaking of colony of, of, of birchman i you know obviously that was that was on either rock that band, was on rock band or, too. yeah but yeah i forgot how cool it is um you know, Blade Catcher is a really cool instrumental, and then just the way that that leads into the dun dun dun, dun just such a cool, yeah. you know what, cool riff. Funny story about Colony of Birchman is that that was the first Mastodon song I ever heard, um, and I hated it. Really? Like, yeah, yeah, that's one well, of my it, favorites. It, it, it was on. Well, okay, I, I mean, obviously, I I reversed my position a long yeah. time ago, um, but when I first heard it, it was on the Rock Band Two soundtrack, and I was like. I, I don't understand what the singer is even saying on this thing. And like, I just thought it sounded muddy and just, just bad. And it's just so funny because it's just such a, it's like one of Mastodon's most well-known songs. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's a great song. I, I was just, I was just an idiot back then. <laughs> but yeah, this is, ah, this is such a great album. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I guess we're coming to this point in the conversation where we say, oh, it's unfortunate kind of what happened, you know, after this. Uh, or I, I guess after Crack the Sky, but... And yeah, and even after The Hunter, I don't know. They, the, the Hunter's kind of a gray area, but, you know. I like, I mean, uh, I like The Hunter. I don't, I don't love it. I don't think it's... The, like, I, I, I don't think it's bad, but the thing is, I could easily envision myself never having listened to it for the rest of my life. I like, I honestly, honestly think that if if that had followed, like if it didn't follow Crack the Sky, it would have been better received. Just because like Crack the Sky, they obviously um, really like they took their progressive tendencies and ran with it, and then totally went back down the earth, yeah, back but down like, to earth. Think about it. Like if you place the Hunter in any of those pre, like in in between any of those previous albums, it would still feel out of place. I just, yeah, I mean, like, obviously we can't do anything in a vacuum. I don't think it would have, I don't think it would have been as mixed if it came right after Blood Mountain. I feel like it, it, it probably sounds closer to Blood Mountain than Crack the Sky. Um, but I totally agree that no matter what, it was going to land like a lead balloon. It's just like, how much lead are we talking here? Like, how, how heavy it, it, is it? It's, it's funny, though, because, like, they, they really, I think they really wanted to make a big splash with that because, like, they signed a Roadrunner for that. And like everything, and then like they aren't on Road Earner after that, and it, it's just interesting to sort of see that. Um, yeah, it, it's I don't know. Like I said, like I, I there are definitely some cool moments on the Hunter, but I, I I'm I'm fine not listening to it, and I'm fine not owning it. Like the first four Mastodon albums are just so like almost completely flawless in my mind. And like I just, I, I just think they're so good that I'm I'm totally okay with not you know, like bothering with the rest of the stuff that's come out since. Yeah, and I will say that to me, I mean, obviously the main comparison being that they're two really prominent metal bands in this scene, you know, give or take. Uh, I feel like their their shift is not as bad. Like I I can accept that more than. Not accepting, but it is what it is. It's not like I'm, you know, staying up at night thinking about it. But I feel like I'm less bothered by their shift than Opeth's shift, just because, like, I can listen to like the Mother Load off of uh, Once More Around the Sun. It, that's a good song. Like, it has a good hook. Neural um, the Burl off the Hunter is really good. Yeah, like they, they've, you know, like Diamonds in the Rough, where they have, you know, like a lot of it is like, okay, this is, you know, kind of not super interesting. Like, like a pretty pretty middling take on hard rock from like through the Mastodon lens, but occasionally they write like it, when they write a good hook, which they can do, it works really well. But to me, like I was hoping when we did that Opeth deep dive that I would change my mind even a little bit. And it, <laughs> it kind of was just like, okay, I'm basically just proved my point to myself that like, yeah, this is not, there's a reason that I've stopped following Mastodon fall, you know, starting with heritage. Um, but I mean, it doesn't change. Yeah, yes, it's yes, yeah, some, yeah. Some, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. A- after Opeth dropped Heritage, I just couldn't listen to Mastodon. Just like you know what, just getting getting rid of all these bands, um, but, <laughs> dropping them all. Yeah, dropping them all. Uh, no, but like I-, I think that, um, like yeah, like you said, it's really hard, and it's the same thing with it's really even hard to be mad at Opeth because they released even more albums that were really good before they they you know they mm. kind of dropped, um, yeah, they dropped the 
whatever. I mean, but, so we, we kind of texted about this earlier uh, this week because uh, Mastodon dropped the single for their newest album. That's yeah, coming out. they did. And, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't help noticing that, you know, it, it really feels like the shift towards rock is just so against you know like it's it, it really feels like they they're like kind of fighting upstream in a way where it's like and like on one hand you i don't know i feel like you almost have to respect their wanting to try something new but at the same time it's like i feel like there's a lot of wisdom and i think a lot of success to be found in being able to flex your own voice and follow it as opposed to trying to ignore it and seeing it come out nonetheless in everything you do, which is what is happening to Mastodon, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and given uh, <laughs> given the uh, the tomfoolery that is Brent, Brent Hines, how yeah. he had multiple interviews where he, or at least one big interview where he was like, yeah, I don't even like metal. It's like, dude, you guys met at a High and Fire show. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you, know, you, like, you, you out of all people, you, you're the person who has Scott Kelly on every album. Yeah, like, like get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I could totally believe that, you know, Mike, Mikhail Eckerfeld is like, yeah, I just don't really, or like, even uh, like uh, Toby Driver. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like he he says how I mean he, he just isn't as into metal anymore, and it's pretty fucking obvious from the, his recent output that he just is not into. Well, that, you know. I, I've heard that that's changing with the latest Ko Dot singles. I, I honestly, I just have not. Uh, I liked but didn't love the most recent album. Uh, I don't know. I, I I need to get back into them because yeah. Well, I I mean, spoiler alert. Uh, new album comes out next month. We're reviewing it, so uh, there we go. <laughs> oh, okay, well there you go. I I totally lost track of when, you know, when did it come out? Um, yep. But I I couldn't tell you when Lepers puts out a new album, but I can tell you when. No, hey, when you know what? We we have each other's backs. Love yeah, it. exactly. Love it. So I I, um, I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to your point, just there's no. You can't take away from you know from remission through crack the sky. I mean that's a pretty damn good, um, damn good you know four album stretch. Oh uh, yeah, and I, even I, even like if you consider you know Call the Mastodon is I mean it's a much rougher version of I, what I you heard. I've never listened to Call the Mastodon. It's it's good. I mean I I think that it's I, I've heard the, really good things. I, I've just never listened to it. To me, for me, it's one of those cases where. Uh, I think um, Kurt Blue put it well that, you know, they kind of had like the rough, get, you know, get this out of your system, kind of take your take your licks as a, as a songwriter, like as part of their career. And it wasn't until Jane Doe that they kind of felt felt like they got into their groove. Uh, I don't think it's quite that rough, but just definitely I, I would pick Remission over Call the Mastodon any day of the week, period, point blank. Um, you know, some... Some bands, you know, the earlier stuff is really, you know, that's really interesting. Like, I would, I will always listen to, um, this is maybe it's not a great example because of how short their career was, but I'll take like the early Minor Threat EPs that obviously, you know, kind of was released as its own album in a way mm. over, you know, uh, out of step. Uh, yeah. Like, so, so some bands, like the early stuff that is just kind of like EP or demo here is, is better than what came out later, but. I think that they came to their own and they really became, um, 
Because, yeah, you're totally right. The Blood Mountain, like, obviously, Leviathan, even, even uh, uh, Remission has, a, I think it's called Old Nessie, where it's, like, this really, like, melodic, like, interesting, um, interesting yeah. instru- instrumental track. Like, they've always yeah. had these moments, but I think that Blood Mountain yeah, was probably... But the, the, the track, uh, was it Joseph Merrick off of Leviathan? Yeah. I mean, like, it, it, they definitely had those prog moments throughout their entire career. I just feel like... You know, they, they definitely feel a little more pronounced here. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Like, it, it definitely feels like they, you know, they embrace it much more fully compared to... Yeah, I, I mean, still not compared to Crack the Sky, but, you know, I mean, it's it, it's a gradual process. Yeah, exactly. And then they just chose to totally, <laughs> totally throw it the window. <laughs> just throw it all um, out. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have to wonder whether it's like maybe they're like we can't top this, so like yeah, let's, so let's try just do something different. And, and again, to your point, like the you know the 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 hook on curl the burl is you know again it's not a total you know a total failure. It's just that man, you did this and now you're doing that. Like I feel like that's, yeah. that's more where it lands for me. Yeah, like like a uh, blasteroid. I'm just like, what the fuck? Uh, uh, <laughs> like like yeah. it's fine, but it's just like why. <laughs> Yeah. Um exactly. Okay. Yeah, but we're getting pretty late. So let's um let's talk about uh albums of the week this week. So uh let's what you got, Scoot Magoot? Um Yeah, I am not stalling at all. If if you want, I can talk about mine first. That would be great. <laughs> um, you, you got it, man. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I um I think I've mentioned that I've had CD problems, CD player problems, uh, for this past week, and that has continued. Uh, but I did manage to listen to one album, uh, thankfully, that is on music streaming services, which I'm surprised because it's kind of an out there album. So it's called, um, it's technically a collection of compositions. It's called Rainforest by uh, David Tudor. So for those who think that might sound familiar he's probably best known as john cage's like preferred pianist and you know he's the pianist that uh played 433 or you know played quote unquote 433 yeah um and he's a composer in his own right but rainforest is uh so this album is just a collection of two different versions of the same composition basically that is like this electroacoustic kind of piece where he's kind of it, 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 it's almost like he's artificially creating nature sounds is like the best way I could describe this. It's mm-hmm. a really, really interesting, like it, it, it's just one of those, like, I don't want to say sound art because I, I think that sounds that that comes off a little reductive, but like there's such a focus on the sonic uh, sort of canvas that's being painted here. It's really interesting. Um, and what was really interesting is that the, I mean, like, if you look into his composition notes on this, which I, I did a little bit, so, but um, you would think that having different revisions of a single composition would improve the improve the piece. But I think, honestly, that the first Rainforest composition is actually the best. It was It was, like, 20 minutes of just, like, not being quite sure of what you're listening to, but being so enthralled by it that you can't help but continue to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, it, it almost felt like that balance was, like, lost a little bit with the fourth one, which they it only compiles those two, the first and the fourth. 
Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. I really want to look into how it was made a little more um, because the notes that I saw weren't totally helpful. Um, but yeah, highly recommend people listen to this thing though. Nice. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. So, all right, you, you have enough time to uh, I do. find your shit? I do. I was glancing at my stack of CDs I've been making my way through. And, uh, uh, yeah, this was an album that I've wanted to... I mean, it's pretty famous in the the kind of the, the new post-hardcore scene. I mean, this is like a classic in that regard. And it is Doppelganger by The Fall of Troy. And oh, okay. I... I grabbed it on a recent trip to Bulmoose. I was in the area doing errands. Um, and I you totally... You didn't drive by and say hi to me, Scott? <laughs> I was. I had to get home and say hi. This was right I, after, I, uh, after my sister's I, wedding. I, I'm just making fun of you. Yeah. Um, man, like, I totally... Like, Dance Gavin... Like, the Dance Gavin Dance era of bands. Like, both Circus... Between Circus Survive and Fall of Troy, it is, like, really obvious where they got their sound from. And I mean, I mean, it's it's just it's a really enticing. The one thing I will say with the album, it's a bit like by the end, I was like, wow, they're really just kind of hitting, they're hitting the same button over and over again. And like the button works, but there's not that much variety. But it's just it's a it's a really catchy blend of like post hardcore, math rock, emo, like a little bit of math core. It gets a little spazzy, but not too crazy. Um, yeah, I had a great time that's with funny. it, and I'm glad. Like, there's one song that's on Guitar Hero that I I liked a lot, and that shows up here. So, what, do you um, remember which one it was? Because I don't remember that being on the third soundtrack at all. But, um, I forget the name of it, and I didn't. I think it's like the greatest hits or whatever. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to check, double check, because yeah, I forget. But, it, I think it has a weird name. All the songs in here have like a weird, weird title. Yeah, in, in whatever case, I, I you know, Fall Troy has actually been one of those bands that I've been meaning to listen to, because I just hear nothing but good things from them about it's, them. It's a very this album in particular, very, very good. I recommend. All right, yeah, I'll have to put that down. Um, all right, well, I we got on, we went on a little long today, but that's okay. So. Um, thanks for listening and we will be back next week with some reviews so bye 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 thanks for listening guys and uh, if you're interested uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishara Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishara Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.